welcome to my podcast. This is your host, Ray Lloyd, and this is All The Things. So today, I want to talk about something that may or may not interest you. It's definitely a completely different direction than my let's talk about birth control and periods topic from the last episode. But if you are either in the type of environment where you manage people at work or own your own business or are in some sort of direct sales type of sitch where your job is to not only market your product or program, but also learn to work with others and teach them to do what you do, right? And really any other capacity, maybe you are a nail tech who's in charge of the other nail techs. I don't know. Trying not to get too granular here, but everyone has to do something to make money, right? So... Some of you, I guess, are just super lucky and somehow don't have to. But for the majority of people that have to pay for their lifestyle and need to make an income are doing something. Now, most people are working for someone. So this is for those of you that don't want to work for someone anymore or don't mind working for someone but want to also hone in on a skill that would allow them to turn their passion into an income and or the people who I described before, the managers, the bosses, the CEOs, the owners, the leaders, all those people who are already managing people. And I'm sure you've noticed a phenomenon that most people are not maxing out their capabilities. Most people, my dog is all like, yes, that is the truest thing you've ever said. If you hear him, he probably saw a human being walking by the front door and is alarming us at how dangerous that might be. It's, I mean, living with the level of anxiety that he lives at must not be very fun, but that's neither here nor there. That being said, I digress. So... With working with people, I'm going to kind of, I don't want to, I'm not the kind of girl to sit around and sing my own accolades. Like I know what I'm good at. I'm very confident in those things, but I also don't feel the need to list them out. It's just not my vibe. It's, I don't like you either know or you don't. And as long as I know, I know, and that's fine with me. So this is not my usual take, but I am going to list out some of the things that I've done just so that I can prove my point so you understand where I'm coming from and I'm not just speaking about something that I'm theorizing on but something I've actually heavily been entrenched in or experienced rather. So first I want to explain that I've always had what I'm now calling a self-starter spirit. I used to describe this as an entrepreneurial spirit But I'm not really talking about it in that vein anymore because some people don't mind working for someone or working in like a network marketing type of environment where like, do, are you the, you know, buck stops here person? No, there's other things involved. You're not the CEO president, but you do own, you know, you run your little island there of whatever your business is doing, right? So you might not be the entrepreneur who came up with the product and the idea, 
but you do have to be a self-starter in order to be successful. So when I used to call it an entrepreneurial kind of idea, like the wavelength that you need to be on in order to run a business and be successful, some people would tell me, well, I've never wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like I don't have that in me. I'm not an entrepreneurial minded person. And I get that. That's fine. You don't want to be the boss, the all things start with you. That's fine. So you can plug yourself into a system. You can work for somebody, maybe on a sales force, where the more work you do, the more of a self-starter that you are, the more you lean into your gifts, the more money you're going to make. Not everyone is clocking in, clocking out on a salary where it doesn't matter how hard you work, you don't make more money. Some people are working for somebody, but Maybe you're in real estate. So the more you sell, the more you make, right? So being a self-starter matters in many areas of life. So I would say I've always been a self-starter. And at first it came from necessity. If you've heard any bit of my story or if you're planning on reading my book, you'll hear about how I grew up, which was with a very lack mindset with that was put on me. I didn't have it. It just, there, there literally wasn't enough. There was more kids than there was money. <laughs> so, um, I knew that I needed to take care of myself. It wasn't, it wasn't something that was verbalized to me. I will readily admit that my parents did the best they could with what they had. This wasn't like an on purpose kind of thing, but I have always been more of a self-starter than a lot of the people that I have been exposed to in my life. A lot of the people that I've been exposed to were kind of disdainful about money, and I talk about that in my book as well. They didn't really talk about what life could be like on a bigger realm, on a larger stage. It was just kind of in us, like you knew you were going to get a job to make some money to pay some bills. There just wasn't that, that bigger minded conversation. And I just never fit with me. I was born a self-starter. I knew how to take what little bit I had and turn it into something. And it's always just been a part of me. I started babysitting locally in my neighborhood at, I believe, 11 years old. I would walk across the street and babysit the kids across the street, which then turned into the kids down the street, which then turned into like their sisters-in-law. And I would get picked up, you know, because I didn't drive. <laughs> I was little. And I would just go and watch these kids and make, you know, whatever it was an hour. And I would scroll it away, scroll it away. And I could then go to the mall with my friends as I got older and buy some things that I wanted without feeling like I didn't have it or that I couldn't. And I was never a very high maintenance kind of person. Never. I never was an overspender. Like I was always really good at saving, but I knew I had it. Like I created this buffer for myself. I created this little nest egg for myself by working and getting my name out there and babysitting. I worked every summer in an office. I never wanted one year I was a counselor in a camp and it was just not my thing. Um, but I did it because I had to, but usually I would get myself a job in an office. I would plan it out before school would be over. I would get myself the job. I did like always such a great job with whatever area or whatever office I was in at the time. I was quiet, did my work. So I'd scroll away that money. I did go to camp myself going into eighth grade and going into 11th. So those two summers I was away, but 
the rest of the time, I knew I had to take care of myself. I wasn't going to leave it up to someone else because it wasn't going to happen. I just knew that. It wasn't something, like I said, it wasn't something that was verbalized to me. It was something I intrinsically knew in my gut. Now we could talk about the trauma at some other point in time, but point is I did something about it. I went to school in Israel where I met Drew, and that is heavily detailed in my book as well. So definitely stay tuned for that. I'm trying to get it out as quickly as I can and trying not to be too much of a perfectionist about it. But when I decided to leave school, and that wasn't really quite my choosing, but whatever, that's another story for a whole nother time. But I lived with my aunt and uncle for two months and I live, this was a foreign country, you know, like I didn't speak the language, but I got myself a job and I was babysitting, babysitting some kids. Definitely not the kind of thing that I had wanted to do at that point in time, but I did it. Pick them up from school, make them lunch, like do all that kind of stuff. And then when I came home, I got myself a room in someone's house to rent and I knew I needed a job. So I found a job for someone looking for a graphic artist. I had never done graphic graphic art. I've never used an Apple Mac computer before. I was 19 years old, never gone to college, never done any extended schooling other than those couple of months in Israel. So we're, like, I went and got the job. Turns out that he had hired me for a seasonal project but failed to tell me that. So yeah, super cool. But point was is that I did a really great job. I finished up the journal, taught like he showed me a couple of things and I basically taught myself how to use this graphic program on this computer I had never used before. And then when he let me go, I applied for a job as a recruiter in the healthcare industry. So basically you would call literally, this is not even a joke, okay? Listen to how crazy this was. Like I was this, like I'm a self-proclaimed introvert. um, I can. I know how to have a good time, especially if you get a little alcohol in me, but I'm just not, I wouldn't say that people would look at me as like the loudest person in the room. I can definitely be a quieter person in the room, um, but I somehow got the guts to do this and I saw the ad for the job and it was pretty close to my house. And so I was like, I don't have a job, I need a job. And I went to the interview and basically what you had to do was literally call doctors while they were at work and offer them another job. So you would literally call and say, hey, could you connect me to the operating room and then ask to talk to the anesthesiologist and they would get on the phone and you would cold pitch them. Hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm calling from such and such and I have this job offering this much money and it's in this hospital and then you would try to get them to apply for the job. And if they would take the job, you would then make a commission for placing them. And um, the guy called me back after the interview and said that I wasn't going to be hired because I didn't have any experience. To which I replied, how am I supposed to get any experience if you won't hire me? And he hired me because I was sassy like that. So I worked there for a few months, like before I got married, then a little bit after I got married, like around six months I was there. I'd never had much success in that area a little bit, but nothing much. And then I switched to a different company doing the same thing, but a bigger company. And then when I was around nine months pregnant, they fired me. So I quickly hustled and found a job being like an older lady's companion, taking her to doctor's appointments and sitting around with her and just having her, you know, have someone. And then in the meantime, I was applying for other jobs. So 
I got a job literally nine months pregnant as an OBGYN receptionist in this massive health center that's local in my town. And I just took so much pride in my work. I would prepare all the charts ahead of time. I would color code everything. The doctors loved me. And then after I had my baby, when I came back, they gave me a promotion to be the OBGYN medical biller. I knew nothing about this. I didn't know the system. I didn't know medical billing. I didn't know the rules. I didn't know the codes. I I knew nothing about this, but I made damn sure that I learned it and I figured it out and I learned the system. And then I was put in charge of doing all the invoicing for the doctors for all the births. And I would have like all these private meetings with them to make sure it was done right and reviewed it. Then I kept getting promoted to the head of billing. Then I got promoted to being a trainer in the new electronic system that they had. And I remember I got a $25 an hour plus raise and I was freaking the F out because when you're working for someone and you're getting hourly and you're trying to take care of two babies and your husband's, you know, working in the operating room, but like life is just paycheck to paycheck, you know, that was a big freaking deal for me. And I took it very, very seriously. And then I got promoted to the head of finance and I was submitting their million dollar grants because they were a federally qualified health center. And I remember all three years that I did it, I, the report that came back was we've never seen something so perfect. I remember taking so much pride in that. We're talking like I would get a ten to $15,000 bonus for doing this project. When, if you think about the millions of dollars that they were getting, that wasn't even close to a thank you, but it was, it was okay. Um, the point is I was self-starter. Even though I was getting paid hourly, I would always go above and beyond. I remember when Hurricane Sandy happened. And for those of you that live in New York, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was absolute chaos. And we had to send over some medical vans over to that area that was hit. And we had to get grants and FEMA involved. And who do you think they sent to go talk to FEMA? Me. I walked into a federal office to talk to some federal agents about our claims. And it was just... I think about it sometimes and it makes me laugh because I have no college education at all. I would go through every document with a fine tooth comb to make sure it was all electronically filed and cleaning and organizing things. And I remember I found a plot of land that we owned, the company owned, that was next door that someone else had a house on and someone else was living in. Now they turned it into a large parking lot, but I found that. That was me. They would have never known that they owned it because no one ever went through that paperwork. Like, I just took it really, really seriously. I've always been a self-starter in that sense. Now, in in the meantime, I needed to make more money. And it just, you know, it didn't matter how much I was making an hour there. It just somehow all went to babysitting and tuition. And then, you know, I had a third baby and it was just a whole bunch of stuff going on. And so at first I started selling uh, designer items. Like I would get stuff from overseas and I would sell it like Montclair jackets and Louis Vuitton bags and you know Movado watches and stuff like that and I made a few thousand dollars doing that and then I sold the business to someone else and I then started doing ghost writing for someone who was trying to write a book but would dictate the words that he wanted in the book and then would send over the dictations the recordings to me and I would type it up for him and then like just fix up the grammar and all that. I, at the same time, was working for this other guy and doing all of his bookkeeping. We would have monthly meetings and all that. I eventually left those two things to then start my salon, which I'm very proud to say we have done 
very, very well. And when I say we, I, I mean like I did very, very well. <laughs> so um, very proud of myself with that. And what's funny is the other day I was in the salon because my now assistant who I had to hire because it just got to be a lot and I'm very appreciative of her. Um, she's on maternity leave right now. So I've been running it all by myself without her help for the last few weeks. And someone said to me, I was there with her. She's like, how did you learn everything about hair and the products? And it's a wig salon. So it's very different than just hair. It's a lot more, there's a lot more to know in that sense. And it's funny because when I started, I knew Jack. I knew nothing. Nada. I didn't know about wigs. I didn't know about fit. I didn't know about hair quality. I didn't know about companies. I didn't know about colors. I didn't know what could be highlighted and what couldn't. I didn't know anything. And everything I know is self-taught. And I say that without ego. I just say it confidently. I'm confident in my knowledge. I'm confident in what I do. I have people referring to me every single day, people who trust me because I run my business with integrity and honesty and I will only run my business with that and people know that. And I taught myself everything I need to know about also being a content creator because apparently in 20, well, I started this in 2014, but you know, for the last eight years, we've now needed to become content creators because if you're not on social media and creating relevant content and catching people's eyes and doing all the fancy things on social media, you're irrelevant. You need to be on social media. And I have a bone to pick with that, but I, I picked that bone in my book too, so stay tuned. But the point is, is I didn't know anything about social media. I didn't know about algorithms. I didn't know about what content would work. I didn't know what apps people use. I just taught myself all of it because I'm a self-starter and it mattered. And it was a non-negotiable. Living life without it, without the income that would bring in, without the passion, without me believing in myself wasn't an option. So I took risks. And I tried and I invested my time and I made it happen. And then eventually I did leave my job and I was doing the salon and I did also start coaching in a a program that helps people with their weight, but I don't want to focus on that. And now I'm actually developing a program that is going to help people with Hashimoto's and educating themselves and empowering themselves with information and how to walk into a doctor's office. What kind of doctor are you looking for? What are the different things that you're asking for? What kind of labs do you want? Like all that kind of stuff. And so that's going to be coming out soon. I already published my Hashimoto's journal that is on Amazon. I created that in literally two days. So for those of you that use it and have seen it, it's very intricate. And just so you know, I did it in 48 hours. I'm also writing my book. As you know, I record this podcast, which I don't get any money from, but I just literally love it. And I love doing it. And, um, I also do lab reviews and I just do a lot of things. So I'm 36 years old. Um, I have my down days. I have my hard days. I have my days with anxiety. I have my days where I worry. I have my days where I feel like I haven't done enough. I have my days where I see how certain people talk to the people that they work with and I'm so turned off by it. And I wonder if that's the culture that is necessary to be successful. I just can't. I can't commit to that kind of culture. I can't talk to people like that. I can't. I can sit here and tell you why 
you need to do better. I can tell you why you deserve to have a better life. I can even get a little bit eight Enneagram on you and talk a little bit strongly, but I'm never going to be mean. I'm never going to be rude. I'm never going to be disrespectful. And if you ever take anything that I say to be mean, rude, or disrespectful, you are misinterpreting it. And I can say that very, very confidently because in my heart, I don't mean for it to be, and that matters. So depending on how you hear and decide to take it, that is your choice. But I promise you, I never say anything in a way that would be disrespectful or inconsiderate to people's feelings or what is going on. I understand what it's like to have PTSD. I understand what it's like to have a lot of shit going on. I understand what it's like to feel lazy. I understand what it feels like to be harassed and bullied online for what you do. I understand what it's like to have grief. I understand what it's like to be so fucking tired that you just want to sleep. I understand what it's like to be so desperate to not get into different depressive episodes that you do anything to feel better. I get it. So when I say that I understand and that everyone is going through shit, but some people still rise up like oil and water, some people just, they never mesh into the status quo life of, well, fuck it, I'll just give up. Some people are never going to do that. Some people are always going to have a fire in them that no matter how many times they get pushed down, they're going to keep fucking trying. And it's definitely a longer conversation of the psychology behind it. But I was doing some research and from, I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but in my research, it was showing that only 2% of people are self-starters, which means for those of you that are managing people, for those of you that own a company, for those of you that are CEOs, for those of you that are leaders in network marketing, this is why so many people disappoint you. This is why so many people give up. This is why so many people disappear. This is why so many people jump from job to job. This is why so many people promise you the fucking moon and ghost you months later. This is why it's so disappointing to watch people talk about what they want and describe what their dream life is going to look like. And and they can taste it. If they could just pay off their debt, if they could just make enough money doing this, if they could just do enough sales, if they could just sell enough product, if they could just recruit more, then their life would be, and they, and, and they can see it, they can taste it, they can feel it. They get so excited about it and you get so excited about it and you know like the two of you are just gonna be successful together and before you know it, they stop talking they disappear, they stop communicating, they stop posting, they stop trying, and you see another one fucking bite the dust, and you're just like, damn it, why? And this is why. Because 98% of people are okay just being an employee. And I don't say that to be disrespectful. Some of you are okay just logging in and logging out and coming home with your paycheck and living a life where you, you don't have other expectations of yourself. And I'm not going to say it's okay because for the 2% of you that want more, it's not okay. But for the 98% of you that aren't born with that fire in your blood to not live a life of status quo, to defy what society expects of you, and we're going to talk about that in a second of what society expects from you, then it's not okay for you. For those of you that want that and you're okay with it, then so be it. So be it. And, I, and, and, and that's your choice and you're welcome to it and we can be friends. But if I'm going to work with you, I fucking want the 2%. Where's the 2% at? 
I want people that I don't have to inspire at the beginning of the month to, sell, to tell me their goals. They come in and tell me. They tell me what they want. I want people who I don't have to motivate. I want people who I don't have to sit around and give an inspirational speech to. I'll do it. Oh, I'll give you all of me. I will create every tool in the fucking toolbox for you. I will literally move mountains for you if you tell me and show me, show me that you're part of the 2%. Oh, we'll be all in. You will never have to ask. I will be there. But the minute I have to start pulling teeth to get you to want your best life, I can't do that. It is so exhausting to beg someone to want something more for themselves. To beg someone to think about what it would look like if only. To inspire someone to live a life without debt. Like, Why do I need to convince you to want a better life? I can't do it. And I'm sure you can hear the excitement and the passion in my voice because I'm looking for the 2%. If you're part of the 2%, like, girl, let me know because I, I just don't know how much more 98% I have left in me to give myself to, to be disappointed with. That's the honest fucking truth. And some of you are nodding and you're like, yeah, I feel that in my bones. It's a season of me saying, I need to move forward with the soldiers that want to move forward with me because I'm not giving inspirational speeches anymore. I'm not getting up in my soapbox. I'm not going to give a TED talk about why you should want your best life. You should want your best fucking life. You should want that. I can't want that for you anymore. You're going to settle, settle without me. Society has created such a fucked up narrative that children have to be in school to be indoctrinated by teachers who I don't even like on topics that I don't even agree with to then be indoctrinated to go to college where they get more indoctrinated to become part of the working class so that they have to leave their children in school because no one is home to raise them. No one is home to grow their own food. No one is home to do research on homeopathy. No one is home to give children the encouragement and the and the love and being there for them. No one is there. Children come home to an empty house. Children go home to babysitters because the parents have to work. And I'm not saying that everyone, like there are some jobs that we need. We need providers and we need people who are in the grocery stores and we need people to pump gas. Like I get that. I'm not saying to completely tilt the whole world on its axis. I'm just saying that society has made you believe that it is normal to never be with your family, that it is normal to have to beg for time off, that it is normal to come to work sick because you have no more sick days left. I went back to work after each of my babies at five weeks postpartum. I wasn't even healed yet. I wasn't even okay yet. I was leaving tiny babies to be raised by someone else and I'm so sick about it. And I had no other fucking choice because I thought that was normal. I will work my ass off until the day is done to never, ever do that. My children never, I'm always here. I will never miss a a school thing. I just, it's a totally different life when I realize I'm a self-starter and I'm not going to work for you anymore. I'm going to work for me. And I don't have to be convinced or motivated to work hard for me. I don't have to be convinced or motivated to work hard for me. Why do you? 
Why do you? It's so sad, but society has made you think that being a self-starter and taking risks and trying hard and posting on social media and making it happen and trying to help people help themselves and talking about a product or talking about a system or talking about a program or talking about the soap that you sell or whatever the fuck it is that you do, talking about it every single fucking day, society has made you think that's annoying. Don't bother people. Don't, don't post so much. Girl, the algorithm is not even showing your stuff to the same people every single day. So stop kidding yourself that you're bothering people. And even if you are, fuck them. Bother people away. Because if you have a product that you're passionate about, if you have a business that you believe in, why would you be quiet about it? That doesn't even make any sense. My salon, I will never apologize. I post every day. I have posted every day, either on my stories or on my wall, for the last eight years. And I have not once gotten a text saying, why do you post so much? It's because I want your money and I want to sell you a product that you want. That's why. I am unapologetic about it. I am confident as fuck about it. Why aren't you? Oh, you don't want to bother people? Well, then you don't believe enough in the thing that you're doing. Maybe you should go find something that you're passionate about. Passionate enough to bother people. Because people don't bother people who are so confident that they'll call it out. People don't bother people who are so confident that they know that this is something they live, die, breathe, and sleep. And I'm not saying that you work all the time, not even close. I call out hustle culture all the time. All I'm saying is that if you're confident about the thing, why aren't you talking about the thing? It's because you're not. Gary Vee talks about this all the time. If you do something that you're passionate about, you'll never stop. But you go to work that you hate. You complain about Mondays. My husband used to message me a year in advance. Hey, babe, what days do we want to take off for vacation? I need to submit it to the OR now. I had to decide what my life would look like 12 months in advance. That is so fucked up. I really thought I was going to have my third baby without him. I thought he was going to be in the OR because I searched on my texts, scrubbing in. That means, you know, like when people scrub into the OR, right? So he used to be like scrubbing in. And I wouldn't hear from him for hours. I have hundreds of texts saying, scrubbing in, bye, love you, bye, scrubbing in, XO. That's all, I, that's all we ever said. I never saw him. My kids never saw him. He would leave super early in the morning and he would come home super late at night. And if the surgery went long, that was it. You're not going to fucking leave in the middle. And he would be on call on the weekends and on holidays. We can never go anywhere. We can never do anything. And he loved it. And eventually he retired. But he just... If you think about it, society has convinced you that it's normal to not see your kids, that it's normal to give yourself over to someone else, to do something that you're not passionate about, to take off, you get one week of vacation a year, use it well, use it well, because that's all you freaking get. It's just so crazy. And then your children are raised by other people. Now, some of you are like, well, I don't do that. Good. I'm so happy that you have figured something else out. That makes me really happy. No, truly. It makes me really happy that you figured it out. You're working from home. That's the one thing COVID did is a lot of people are now able to work from home permanently. My friend's husband permanently works from home. That's so cool. They see their parent. They see them working hard. I'm not against work. I'm not against even working for a boss if that's what you choose. I'm not against working hard. I'm not against logging in and logging out. I'm just not into this idea that someone else gets to tell you how to live your life until you retire and then you die. If you think about it, if you really let yourself think about it, it's depressing. AF. Now, my job is not here, is not to be here to make you feel depressed. That's not at all. 
So let's stop with that little tirade and let's move on to the 2%. So I described self-starters, but let me get into like the technicalities of it. So a self-starter can create an environment around themselves that appreciates and fulfills their needs. What is it that you want? What do you want your life to look like? What is it that you can do that can fund that, right? They take initiative. They can work without supervision. Oh my God. I have certain people that I work with that need you to tell them every little thing. What do you think of this, Ray? Should I say this? Should I do that? Should I? You've been doing this for how many years and you still need me to sign off on it? I am not your boss. Have a little initiative. Work without guidance for one second. I'm here to help 100%, but you can't think for yourself. You don't know what to say back to somebody. It's all there for you. We've created literally every single tool imaginable and you're still questioning yourself because you're not confident. It's scary. It's scary because then you have this light bulb that goes over your head and you know that if someone can act like that, they're not doing it in the rest of their life. They're not being a self-starter. They don't have initiative. They can't work without supervision. They have to have your okay and your blessing on everything in everything. And that is why they're not successful. It's not because there's not enough people to help. It's not the algorithms. It's not social media. It's not that their niche was saturated. Bullshit. It's because you can't work without supervision. So everything you do, you need someone to clap. Clap for your own damn self. You need someone to say, oh yeah, do this. Be here. Check this off. Make this list. I can't do all of that for you. Eventually, you're going to have to think for yourself. Now, don't get me wrong. When I start working with people, I train them up hand hold the F out of them. I teach them everything they need to know and then some. But at a certain point in time, the two percenters are going to start to think for themselves. The two percenters are going to get innovative. The two percenters know how to talk to people without following an exact script. And if you do need that, I'm not being disrespectful. Remember, everything I say, I just sound passionate. I'm not angry. I love you guys. Some of you are, some of you aren't. I respect your work ethic, even if you don't think you're in the 2%, because if you're trying anyways, I love that. But the 2%ers don't need supervision. They're not the ones. You ever see those TikToks where they're like fucking around until the boss shows up? Those are not self-starters. Self-starters are people who will show up, work, even if no one's looking. They have pride. That's what it is. They have pride in them own in, in, in themselves. They don't need an employee review to know that they're good. I remember I used to see some other leaders that I've kind of like in different industries that I very much separated myself from because our vibe is not the same. My vibe is not to be mean to people in order to get them to work, okay? My vibe is, is to really find the people and help cultivate their, their true selves and be authentic, right? So, you know, certain people are just, they're so fake that I, I can't handle. But back in the day, I used to, you know, not answer to them, but like we'd have conversations sometimes and they would say stuff like, you know, give these motivational speeches or like, what's your, what, what, what do you want? Or, Honey, you, you got me all wrong. You got this all twisted. You don't know who you're talking to. I don't need to be motivated to show up for my own life. I'm not doing this for you. You thought I was doing this for you? I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for my kids. I'm doing this for my house. I'm doing this for my dreams. I'm doing this for the vacations I want to take. I don't need to be told to show up for my salon. No one needs to remind me to post. I don't forget. A day doesn't go by where I'm like, holy shit, how did the day go by without me touching that, in, that Instagram account? No. And so I remember laughing like, do people need to be motivated to show up for themselves? That's psychotic. 
When I had my tummy tuck, I worked the next day. When I had my lipo done after my tummy tuck, I was on a Zoom that very night. Now, I also rested a lot because again, I'm very against hustle culture and burning yourself out. So there's a very fine, beautiful balance of doing what it is that it will take to get you the life that you deserve to live because you don't get another chance at this. You don't get to rewind. You don't get to do August, whatever the fuck day it is again. And trust me, I have days where I watch Peaky Blinders and sit around in pajamas and eat grapes or I don't know, whatever, right? We all have those days. That's normal. That's letting your nervous system rest. We're not meant to work and churn out and be productive 24-7. Absolutely not. But did you show up for yourself today? Did you show up for the thing that you said you wanted and would do today? Did you, right? Well, some of you aren't. But, you know, self-starters can begin something independently. They'll come up with an idea and then come to me and say, hey, what do you think of this thing? I remember... Someone asked me why I was recording this podcast. One of these people that I no longer associate myself with. She said to me, why do you do this podcast? It doesn't make you any money. And I said, because it makes me happy. She's so dissociated from normal human behavior that all she could see was how this was going to make someone money and what would make them productive. I don't ever want to be like that. So when I tell you I want you to be a self-starter, when I tell you I want you to do what it takes to live the life of your dreams. It's because I want you to live the life of your dreams, not because I want you to work all the time. Please don't. Figure out how to get all your work done in one to two hours a day so you can start bringing in residual income so that you can pay all your bills and then go to Tahiti for a month or whatever the fuck you want to go or buy whatever it is that you want or pay off your kid's school tuition. I don't know what you want. I don't know what you want. What do you want? If recording a podcast gives me joy, she should have said to me, I love that you made the time for yourself with your income and your and your different things that you do and the programs that you have and the salon that you run so that you could do this without monetizing it. I've never monetized this. I do this simply for the sheer joy of it. For the however many hundreds of people listen. I wish it were in the thousands, but I don't know. I probably haven't put enough time into marketing it. But the point is is that she's she just doesn't get it. And she might be super, super wealthy, but she doesn't get it. So that's not what I'm looking for, you guys. I'm not looking to try to help you, inspire you to get super, super wealthy, but still not live a life. I want you to live a life. I want you to live a robust, full life. And it's going to take being a self-starter because self-starters don't settle. Self-starters rest. Self-starters know when to turn off. Self-starters don't work all the time. Self-starters do things that give them joy for the pure joy of it. But they also make sure that they get their shit done and they take pride in it. They can motivate themselves. They don't need someone to give them a speech. They are confident. They have ambition. They're resilient. They embrace the challenges. It's not always going to be easy. And there's going to be people who talk shit about you behind your back. And there's going to be people who who crap on the thing that it is that you want to do. I remember when I opened my salon, there was a girl in Baltimore who used to do what I do. She no longer does. And her assistant lived in St. Louis. And I had gone to St. Louis. I was pregnant with my third kid. It was 2014. And we went to St. Louis to visit my husband's family who we no longer do. We no longer, yeah. When your vibe just raises itself, you also raise up who you allow to put energy into your life. Let me just, I'll just start and end right there. But anyways, I think that was the last time I was in St. Louis. But I was there and she says to me, oh my God, like you're never gonna be able to do this. If you want, why don't you just send the business to us? Like we know what we're doing. Like you're never gonna be successful. Oh bitch, I showed you. 
And I didn't do it to show her, but I'm just saying she doesn't work there anymore. Her boss doesn't even do it anymore. And I'm a household name. And again, I say that with no ego. I'm just confident. But I've had things I had to go through and I've had people say stuff and I've had rude people try to make appointments and I've had all sorts of stuff. And I embrace the challenges. I am resilient. You can't knock me down. I will climb back up. Can you say that about yourself? Do you get comfortable with being uncomfortable? I am, like I said, a self-proclaimed introvert. I don't like getting to know people on a very intimate level because I'm an empath and I feel all the things and I pick up on their energy and it's really exhausting for me sometimes and yet I still do it. I still go to big events and I give everyone a hug and I smile and I dance and I have the greatest time and I'm genuinely having a great time. But I have to brace myself for stuff like that. I had a girl one time, we went to an event in... I want to say 2018 and I was really overwhelmed. I wasn't, my nervous system wasn't regulated the way it is now, although I get unregulated all the time. Um, but I, I'm in, you know, I've done a lot of intensive therapy at this point and back then I had no idea. I didn't know anything about trauma. I didn't know anything about PTSD. Like I was just, just floating along life, doing my thing, getting triggered all the time. And now I can confidently say I've done a lot of work on that. But back then I just, I was just trying my best. I was just trying to get through. And we were really, really successful in one of our businesses. And this girl who we were working with, who is not a self-starter, but was really good at following directions and would almost like stupidly just go in and and do what it took. Like she didn't overthink it, which was kind of cool, I guess, in the beginning. Anyways, I didn't sit next to her at lunch and she got so angry that she quit her entire business. And recently she actually, I had messaged her about something and she like blocked me on social media, flipped out at me, told me I'm not the person I pretend to be, yada, 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 all this bullshit because I one time hurt her feelings accidentally without knowing, never gave me the opportunity to apologize either. But This is what I mean where you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because I know it's going to eventually happen where someone talks shit about me or someone makes fun of me or someone doesn't like what I did or, uh, you know, I've had some crazy shit go on with people, you know, not liking me. And it's, do you really think I care what you think of me? You don't pay my bills. You don't live in my house. You don't live in my head. Fuck off. I like me. That's enough. We live in a society where people think that their like matters. That is freaking ridiculous. You don't matter as much as you think you matter to other people. You matter just to you and the people around you who you need to matter to, like the people that you affect. You on social media leaving a crappy comment on my post, you think that I can't, I don't even understand the logic behind that. Go get a freaking life, honestly. Self-starters don't do stuff like that. Self-starters are not so fixated on what everyone else is doing. They're fixated on themselves, not in a self-centered, narcissistic way, in a way that I'm going to make myself as great as possible so that I can rub off on the people around me and be a light in other people's lives. Not, the, right? not in a self-centered, gross way, but you got to get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me to go and sometimes, you know, recording these even. I know people are going to talk shit about it or I'll look at the numbers and, oh, crap, why didn't it perform better, right? We all have these thoughts. It's just the ones who keep going who are the ones who are going to fight through the end. I always tell people that I work with, the only way for you to be unsuccessful in this is the day you stop trying, And you also get to define what success is. For some people, it's $10,000 a month. For some people, it's multiple millions. Um, For some people, it has nothing to do with money. Everyone gets to decide. Everyone gets to define what success means to them. Um, They have high expectations of themselves. They don't settle. Um, They focus on the outcome. They 
are really good at teamwork. They're not a self-isolated asshole who gets to tell everyone what to do and shouts down from their high top mountain about how you're not working hard enough. No, Mm -mm. get down there in the trenches yourself and do the work and show up and show people. If you tell people to post online, you better be freaking posting online. (laughs) Uh, Lead by example. They're a visionary. They take risks. They solve problems. They have goals. They just, they just get it. And There's not a lot out there is what I'm finding. I, I work with a lot of them. I, I've seen a lot of people be self-starters. I've seen a lot of people be visionaries. I've seen a lot of people have high expectations of themselves. I've seen a lot of people go through stuff and still work and still make it happen and still show up and still just never give up. And you're going to have high seasons and you're going to have low seasons and you're going to have really great months and really low months. And you're going to have times where you start to question yourself. And the only time that you're ever going to not be successful is the day you decide to throw in the towel. And then you know you're part of the 98%. And there's no shame in that. I'm not shaming you, not even a little bit. But lean into that. Figure out how to be successful that way. I don't know what it's like. I've always been in the 2% as a self-starter and hopefully... Some of you heard this and you, it resonates with you and you're like, I don't know what the hell it is that Ray does, but I'm interested in being a self-starter. I'm interested in living the life that I want on my own terms. I'm interested in being my own, my own or in my own orbit, so to speak, not telling someone when, or not letting someone tell me when to come in, when to take vacation, when I went to work the day my grandmother died. I called my boss one day when I, my water broke with my oldest and I said, hey, my water broke, so I'm going to be starting maternity leave. And she said to me, you sure you don't want to come in to take your mind off it? Are you joking? Are you joking right now? You want me to, because I don't know if you know this, but the water regenerates. And so it just, it just keeps gushing out. It just keeps splashing, doing its thing. It's pretty fucking gross. So no, I'm gonna, it's going to be a no for me. I'm going to start my maternity leave, you crazy, crazy lady. (laughs) So, yeah, God, I hope I didn't piss some of you off with this, but I hope that I, I hope I struck a chord a little bit where you're realizing you're either going to live your best life as a 98% and figure out how to do that, or you're going to go freaking shine as a 2% or as a self-starter, or you're going to figure out how to get out of the 98%. You realize you are a self-starter, but you have to start taking risks. You have to start living out loud. You have to start not being afraid of what people think of you. You have to stop living by other people's rules and start living by your own. Thank you for listening. I hope that you loved today's episode. Please do the following things. Share this all over your social media. Subscribe to my podcast and leave me a five-star rating. Till next time.